are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Well, hey, let's get into the word. Are you ready tonight? I'm ready to preach it. How many watch the NFL draft? Anybody in here? Anybody watch the NFL draft? I, I like watching the NFL draft, the NBA draft and all that. I like pretty much all sports except for golf. Um, for the person who sits there in front of the TV and watches four hours of golf, um, we do have a special prayer room in the basement, the one that's flooding actually for you. And we'll pray for you at the conclusion of this service. Hit your neighbor and say, he's just joking, but not really. Um, and so I was watching the NFL draft a few weeks ago, and um, uh, this message title was inspired from the NFL draft. And um, what happens is this, for those of you who don't know, what happens is this, when a team is about ready to pick their draft pick, whatever order they're in, say they're the first pick, second pick, third pick, whatever order they're in, um, there'll be a big announcement that'll come on the PA system, it'll be on the screens as well, where the NFL draft is held, it'll be on the TV, for those of you who watched it, you've seen it, and there'll be this big announcement, and it, the big announcement is telling who's on the clock next, and what they say is, for our sake, the greatest team on the earth, Indianapolis Colts, amen, come on, you got to prophesy some things, you got to speak it by faith, you guys, yeah, we don't want Tom Brady winning anymore. I'm just putting it out there. We are praying against Tom Brady. Let him break his arm. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Not really, though. Not really, though. And so, so they'll say, the Indianapolis Colts, you are on the clock. You're on the clock. From that moment, each team gets 10 minutes to make their pick. If they don't make their pick within that 10 minutes, then they forfeit that pick, and then they go on to the next team, whoever had the next round, next uh, number in that draft. And so um, what happens is each team during this draft has a team headquarters there in that facility where they're holding the draft. And that team headquarters um, houses all the executives and the coaches. And, and then there's a team representative. And uh, once they agree on whatever pick, because there's a lot of different scenarios uh, that, that these teams have, and, and uh, once they have the name of the person they're picking, then what happens is the team representative, this is the person who writes the name of the, of the player that they want to choose on a card. And this team representative runs to a person um, that works for the NFL staff known as a runner. Someone say a runner. So the team representative has the card with the name of the person on it. He runs out of the team lounge and he goes to this person that works for the NFL called a runner, hands them the card. The runner then does what he does. He runs. <laughs> he runs because there's a certain amount of time. There's 10 minutes. This card has to get to the next person. The runner hand delivers the card to the vice president of the NFL. Then he gives the name to the commissioner of the NFL so he can announce the pick. Are you with me so far? Yeah. So my title tonight is Fuel Church, You're on 
the clock. Can you say that with me? Fuel Church, you're on the clock. Let's lay the foundation here. John chapter 4, verse 34 and 35. If you don't have a Bible, you can check out the screens here. It says this, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Verse 35, he says, say not ye that there are four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and what? And what? Look on the fields, for they are white and what? Ready to harvest. Oh, Jesus here is using an agricultural analogy here about harvest, but not the harvest that you're thinking. Uh, this kind of harvest he was talking about was people. It wasn't wheat and it wasn't corn. It wasn't beans. This is the context. Now, let, let me catch you up with what happened earlier in John chapter 3 and, and uh, in the beginning of John chapter 4. What had happened was this. Jesus is walking with the disciples and they're going to their next town. The Bible says that Jesus had this unction that he needed to go to Samaria. Someone say Samaria. And so Jesus kind of takes a detour. You know, the spirit recalculated him, right? Recalculating, recalculating. And uh, he goes a different direction than what was on the plan. And the disciples are like, Jesus, you know we don't hang out in Samaria. Like, that, that's where it was the, really the epicenter of racial tension. You talk about some racially profiling, it went down in Samaria. Because the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't they didn't jive together. They weren't having barbecues together. You know what I'm saying? There was, there was a lot of tension going on back in those days, but Jesus felt like he needed to go to Samaria. And the Bible says that he went to Samaria and he has an encounter with a woman at a well. You know the story, right? And he sits there and he starts talking to this woman who thought she was coming to get natural water, but really she's searching for spiritual water. And Jesus has this whole conversation with her, and, and uh, you know, she's, she, Jesus is like, hey, you know, bring your husband here, and you know, we'll have a conversation. And she's like, I don't have a husband. And Jesus is like, you're right. You have four guys, and you're shacking up with the fifth one. Come on, somebody. He's like laying out all her dirty laundry, but it's just him and Je- it's just her and Jesus. So, and and she's like, well, I perceive that you're a prophet, right? <laughs> obviously, obviously here. And so, long story short, they have this conversation, and Jesus talks about, listen, honey, you're, you you've been searching, you've been drinking from the wrong wells, you've been trying to find fulfillment in a in, in a man, in a relationship, and and really, what you're searching for is me. What you're searching for is the living water. And see, the water that you've been drinking, you're, you're going to be thirsty again. But I'm, I am the true thirst quencher. Gatorade ain't got nothing on me, Jesus said. I am the true thirst quencher. And what you need to do is you need to drink from the living waters. Jesus comes back from this encounter with the Samaritan woman. Mind you, the disciples go off into town they're hungry. They've been, they've been journeying for some time, and they're hungry, so they stop at where everybody stops, Chipotle. <laughs> and they get a bowl and a burrito and extra guac. I know it's $2. Throw it on. Thank you very much. Yes, I want chips. Yes. I know they're extra. Yes, please. Please give me more meat because you're ripping me off for this $8 bill. Bowl. I'd I be calling them out at Chipotle. I don't care. 
If I'm paying $8 for a bowl, you're going to hook me up with some chicken. That's going to fill me up. But you got those Chipotle workers that are stingy. If you work at Chipotle, please, there is no judgment here. We forgive you. We're not talking about you. We're talking about the other person. But, but, but the disciples are like, you know, eating Chipotle or it could have been Chick-fil-A. I don't know. Whatever they were eating, the Christian chicken or the Christian burrito. I don't know. Anyway, they, Jesus comes back. Jesus comes back. And, and here we find Jesus talking with the disciples. And, uh, and, 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 and actually, they, they come and they see the woman, actually. They see the woman and they're freaking out, right? And they're like, Jesus, why, why are you hanging with this woman? And, you know, you know, the Jews and the Samaritans are not supposed to mix. And, and you know, you know they're kind of going off on Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus says to them, because, you know, they obviously brought him a burrito and they had it in the bag. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they brought him some food and they're like, Jesus, come on, let's eat. Let's eat. We're, we're really confused at why you're with this Samaritan woman, but you need to eat. Obviously, the sun is getting to you and you know we don't jive with these type of people and these aren't our people and these aren't our kind. So come on, let's go eat. And that's where we find Jesus in our text. And he says, listen, listen, guys, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish his work. Say not. There are four months. And then come the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, I say unto you guys, lift up your eyes and look. Don't you see what's going on here? And they didn't recognize what Jesus was trying to tell them. Don't you see what's going on? I need you to lift up your eyes, look at the fields because they're white and ready to be harvested. Someone say, the harvest is ready. Jesus is saying to them, stop what you're doing. Look, the fields are ripe and they're ready. People are ready to encounter my grace and hope. The disciples thought he was talking about the wheat or the beans. And they're kind of looking around like, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? Say not there are four months and then the harvest. You know, Jesus, you know we got to wait before the harvest comes in, and they didn't recognize what Jesus was trying to say to them. Jesus was trying to say, disciples, listen, we're on the clock. We don't have much time, and there's a harvest of people out there who are hurting and dying and going to hell, and we got to do something about it. He was saying, the harvest wants conversations. Tough conversation sometimes. Jesus sat down with this woman and had a tough conversation, right? The harvest wants conversations. They, they, they don't want judgment. They want conversations. Most of the time, they just want you to listen, right? And we have a hard, most Christians have a hard time listening because we're trying to quote all these scriptures to people when they ain't even getting what you're saying. Just stop talking, listen, and look into their eyes. Huh? And G- Jesus, Jesus is saying, listen, the harvest may not always look like you think it should. Yeah, yeah. And that's our problem in the church, right? Because we think the harvest should look a certain way. And we think church people should look a certain way. And they should come in with their Bible. And they should come in with the right clothes and the right hairdo and the right attitude and the right smell and the right look. But the harvest 
sometimes doesn't look the way you perceive that it should look. And the disciples, they were upset. They were angry with Jesus. Why? Because he sat with someone who didn't look like them, who didn't act like them, who didn't talk like them, who wasn't raised in their kind of culture, who was an outcast uh, as seen by the Jews. And they were confused and they did not get what Jesus was saying. They didn't get it. They missed it. And how many times does the church miss it? Because we're looking for cookie cutter Christians. And I've said this, I've said this a million times. This church's assignment isn't to win other Christians to Christ. It's to win sinners to Christ. We're not after fish in another aquarium. There's a lot of great churches in this city. You know why this church has grown? Because people have got saved, delivered, and set free in this church. We're not looking for transfer growth. We're looking for new babies to be birthed into the kingdom of God. We're looking for people who are jacked up, who are messed up, and say, I don't know what to do, but I know I need Jesus. My life's a mess. And we just were willing to sit at the well and have a tough conversation with them. And we were willing to come back to the well and have an even tougher conversation, even when they didn't get it the first time time, the 10th time, the 100th time. And we were willing to say, listen, God is a God of many chances and so are we. And Jesus is trying to get them to know this and trying to get this into their mind that the harvest may be a problem. The harvest may be a problem. The harvest may be a problem. And my question to Fuel Church is this, will you help solve it? Will you help solve it? You, you, see, you see, what we have here at Fuel Church right now is harvest problems. We have harvest problems. Talking to a lot of my pastor friends as we are at a conference last week and every week just talking to some men of God that's speaking to my life and talking to them about what God is doing. And I said, how you doing? Doing great. Just got a lot of growth issues. A lot of growth issues, and the one pastor just started laughing. He said, those are good problems. He goes, those are good problems. Enjoy those problems. Enjoy those problems. And as I was looking and, and talking, you know, with my elders, actually, even today, going over some of our numbers and stuff, and uh, just trying to strategize and, and seek God and get godly wisdom on the next step for us as Fuel Church and we started looking at the numbers, and we said, okay, well, that's kind of why we have harvest problems, because <laughs> the numbers don't lie, right? And we, we're not defined by our numbers, but our numbers are indicators. Our numbers are indicators of where we're at and where we're going. We've seen that 79 people have given their heart to Christ in the last four weeks here. 79 lives changed. We've seen that 167 since the beginning of the year have given their hearts to Christ. And then in the last 14 months, we have seen 528 people come to Christ here at Fuel Church. Oh, come on. You can do better than that. I read those numbers first because those are the numbers that heaven rejoices over. The Bible declares that heaven throws an all-out block party with confetti and balloons and cake every time one person repents and comes to Christ. And so if heaven throws a party, we're going to throw a party down here. 
And we just believe that every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. So then we move forward and we've seen in the last eight weeks, eight weeks, 250 first-time guests have come through our doors. That's a lot of first-time guests. I don't know if you realize that, but that's not normal. That's not happening at every church. It's just not. We've seen that our kids' classes are maxed out, especially on our second experience. Our parking, we're having problems. <laughs> they told me today that the last three weeks that it, there was traffic jams out in the parking lot and people trying to get out of the lot, people trying to come in, people coming in the wrong way, and we're trying to get order out there. We got harvest problems. Nobody's been hit in the parking lot. Praise God for that. I mean, no injuries, no, no, nothing like that. But we have harvest problems. Our nursery the other week had 11 babies in it. Can you imagine the diapers that were changed in there? That's a lot of poo-poo in the nursery. 11 babies in the nursery a few weeks ago. So we're, you know, we don't even have enough room in there for 11. Where did they put them? Did they duct tape them to the ceiling? I don't know where they put them. They just told me, listen, we had 11 babies in there. I said, oh, let me pray for you, anoint you with oil. Thank you for watching those babies. Our teachers are being stretched. They're being challenged because our classrooms now, especially at the second experience, if you, if you haven't got a clue yet, I'm kind of, you know, asking some of you who come to the second, just come to the first. Come on, work with me a little bit if, if, you, if you can. Uh, the second is just busting at the seams right now. And it's, it's where the majority of our first-time guests are coming and the majority of our salvations are happening at the second. So why don't you make some room for the harvest to come in? We got harvest problems. We got harvest problems. Someone say, that's good. That's good. That's good. We need more space. We need more people serving. We need more people giving. We have harvest problems. No longer can we buy the one case of toilet paper at Sam's Club. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. We got to buy more TP. People got to wipe, y'all. No longer can we go out and buy the, the thing of coffee that we're buying. Now, y'all drink coffee at every service, multiple cups now. I mean, y'all are some coffee drinkers. And I understand it's biblical. Hebrews. Hebrews. It's in the Bible. And so... You know, everything is, you know, doubling and tripling. You see, when you see the crowd come in, you're like, yeah, it's awesome. And then we're up in the counting like, oh, God, we didn't plan this in the budget. <laughs> we didn't plan this in the budget. Now we got to buy more coffee, more crayons, more snacks, more candy for the kids because we love sugaring them up real good. More wipes. Come on, somebody. More soap. Yeah. More of everything. We have harvest problems. Fuel church, you're on the clock. You're on the clock. You're on the clock. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. There's an urgency. It's, It's not something that we can just sit back on. Fuel church, you're on the clock. We got a limited amount of time here to go after the harvest. It's it's ready. People are searching. Oh, they just don't know it. They're trying in a bottle. They're trying in a pill. They're trying in a shot. They're trying in a relate. They're searching for some fulfillment in life. They just don't know they're searching for Christ because he's the only one that can bring true fulfillment in your life. 
They're searching. They're searching. We're on the clock. Why are we on the clock? Well, Romans 12, 12 says this, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knows that he has but a short time. Short time. He knows his time is short. He knows his time is short. Why is there an epidemic going on in our city right now? He knows his time is short. He's trying to take out and kill and destroy families and lives every single day in this city. He knows his time is short. Fuel church, we're on the clock. We ain't got time to play games no more. Christianity is not no game. This is more of a battle, in case you didn't know. This is a battle. Why? We're warring for souls. We're warring for souls. And the devil and his army are waking up every morning, and they're eating their Wheaties every morning. And they got their game plan every morning. And while the church is just sitting around, well, hallelujah, what are we doing? Well, it's too cold in here. It's too hot. The lights are shining in my face. What's this haze now? Is there a smoke room in the back for those who chief out? No, there's not. Well, I don't know about all this parking, and I don't know about this third service. I don't know if we can handle that. Fuel church, we're on the clock. We got some harvest problems. We got some harvest problems. We got some harvest problems. So we, we don't have time to take a break. We don't have time to have time out. Simmer, Cody, just take a little time out. No, we don't have time for that. We don't have time for burnout or timeout. We have time to reap the harvest. Jesus said, look, it's ready. It's already ready. I've set up the end time harvest for you. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. Well, I just don't know if I'm really able or qualified to help with this harvest. You're right. You're not qualified. You're right. You're not qualified. And the truth is the Bible is full of individuals who were disqualified. But the good news is this. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Oh, come on, somebody. He does not call the qualified. So if you say, man, I'm disqualified. I got this kind of past. My life's jacked up. Welcome to every character in the Bible. Welcome to the family of disqualified misfits who are used by the Spirit of God. We got harvest problems. Ephesians 3.20 gives me much hope when I realize that I'm unqualified. Now unto him who is able... Who's unto him? Jesus. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in me. Now unto him. It's not my power. It's his power. So I'm disqualified, but his power qualifies me. I came to preach. That was my intro right there. Are you ready? I got 10 minutes to knock this out of the park, baby. Are you ready? Now unto him, now unto him. Someone say, now unto him. Now unto him who is able. He's able to use your story. He's able to use your broken life. He's able to take your mess and turn it into a message. He's able to take your test and turn it into a testimony. He is able to take the brokenness of your life and bring wholeness out of it. He's able to take the ashes and replace it with beauty because that's what my God does. He's in the business of doing makeovers after makeovers after makeovers so that his spirit and his son can shine and radiate through your life. Bill Church, we're on the clock. We're on the clock. We're on the clock. He's able to use your life to impact someone else. He's able to use you to bring healing to others. He's able to use your giving to build his church. He's able to use your story to help 
make someone else's story. I love the message translation, Ephesians 3.20. It says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you can ever imagine, guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply, gently within us. Hit your neighbor and say, there is always more with God. There's always more with God. Look, don't you see it? Disciples didn't see it. They didn't see the harvest problems. The same text that we just read in John chapter 4, verse 30 says this in the message. Look, this is Jesus speaking. Look, these Samaritan fields are ripe. It's harvest time. Oh, now it's clicking with some of you. See, Jesus was never talking about the wheat, the beans, or the corn. He was talking about the Samaritans. But, 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 but the disciples, the disciples were so meal-minded that they didn't see the mission. Stay with me for the next six minutes, and I guarantee you God's going to speak to you. Watch, watch this. They were so meal-minded that when Jesus said, look, the harvest is right here. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Remember what happened in the text. The Bible says she was kind of felt awkward because the disciples were staring at her like, Jesus, why are you with this chick? And, and she kind of skirts away, leaves her water pot right there. The purpose she came was to get water. She leaves it there. She runs, goes and tells all the people of the town to come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. And they're like, oh, snap, you did a lot. We come into this. You was working on the corner of Smith and Jasper. I don't know where that came from. We come to check this out. And about the time when Jesus declared, behold, look, 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 guys. Look, look, open your eyes and look, the harvest is ready. There, all these Samaritans stood. They, 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 oh, Jesus, let me, help me say this. Help me say this, Holy Spirit. They were so meal-minded, but Jesus was so mission-minded. They were thinking about their happy meal, and Jesus was thinking about the harvest of people that was standing right in front of them. They didn't even they didn't get it. They didn't, they didn't get it. And how many times have I had my meal before my mission? And how many times have you and I had your meal before your mission? What's your meal? It's your fleshly desires. It's what you do to gratify your flesh. How many times have we been so concerned about our meal that we forget the mission that God has us on? And how much more would our church explode if we were all mission-minded instead of meal-minded? You see, 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 you don't get it. You don't get this. Listen, the purpose of the church growing is not to say we have a certain amount. The purpose is to build his kingdom. The purpose is to make heaven a bigger place. You say, Jay, I just don't get this. Why are you on all these services? Why why you on all these different campuses? You keep talking about this. Isn't that a little crazy? Yeah, it is a little crazy. I just know the devil is out and he knows his time is short and I know that the harvest is ready. I know we're on the clock and I know we got harvest problems, but I just think if we all band together and help solve the harvest problems, then we can bring in the harvest. Because one thing about harvest is if you don't pick it, it'll rot. And, and so you only got a lot of time to get the harvest. 
You only got a certain amount of time. I feel the anointing right here. You only got a certain amount of time to reap it. Dad, you were raised on a farm and you know you only got a certain window to get that harvest in. You got to get the combines ready before the harvest is done. You got to get the barns ready. You got to get the silos ready because you got to be in preparation because your window of opportunity is very small to bring the harvest in and rain can mess up the harvest and certain animals can mess up the harvest and if someone gets hurt it can mess up the harvest and so we only got a certain window of opportunity to bring in the harvest I know we got harvest problems I know it hurts I know we got some wounds I know it's stretching some of us but fuel church we're on the clock and God is saying will you help with the harvest problems And so, 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 I'm wrapping up. Listen, listen. And so, so, I asked the question, are you worried about your next meal or your next mission? What are you worried about? Yeah, yeah. Because what looks like a problem to us looks like a promise to God. And what, looks, what we see as problematic, God sees as potential. Listen, listen. You'll never have a harvest if you don't sow a seed. And you'll never sow the seed if all you do is eat it. And some of you just went there and you thought I was talking financially. No, that is true, but not in this context that I'm talking. You'll never have a harvest. Come here, Wes. If you don't have the seed of a conversation, you'll never have a harvest if you don't take time to have tough conversations and sow the seed. You'll never have a harvest if you don't say, Come with me to church. I got a seat saved right beside me. Come with me. Here's this invite card. Here's this crazy invite card my pastor talks about. Here, check this out. I know you've been having trouble believing in God, and he's in a series right now. I want to believe, but he's talking about all your doubts and your fears and your failure. He's talking about it. Come with me. See, you'll never have a harvest if you don't sow a seed, and you'll never have a, a, a seed if you don't, if you always eat your seed. Some of you. And some of you come in here, and what you do every service is you eat seed. You eat seed, and, and that's fine. Some of you are new here. You're here in your first week. You're like, this is a little intense. <laughs> it's first Thursday. We go a little deeper, a little more challenging, a little more pastoral here. And some of you will never have a harvest because all you do is eat your seed. You do what you want to do. You're about me, church, instead of we, church. And when you, about me, church, you order the happy meal instead of going on the mission. Jesus said, y'all eat, I'm going to reap. Y'all eat, go ahead, eat your chipotle, extra guac, chicken, I'm going to reap. Because Jesus knew there was only a certain window for the harvest to come in. And they did not recognize it with all the Samaritans standing there. And I propose this, Fuel Church. If the devil can keep you from recognizing the harvest, he can keep you from reaping it. If he can keep you from recognizing the harvest, he can keep you from reaping it. What, what's your harvest? Your coworker that you stand by every day at, on the assembly line. Co-worker at the bank, at the school. What's your harvest? 
your family members who are far from God, your friends who you've never even told about Christ, you never even told your story to, never, they don't even know you go to Fuel Church. What's your harvest? Recognize your harvest. Recognize your harvest and start to sow seeds for that harvest. Recognize it. Jesus said, look, it's all around you. It's all around you. Some of you have never even invited someone to church. Look, it's all, they're all around you. They're hurting. They're dying. They're on their way to hell. But you're so concerned with your meal that you forgot your mission. If you were saved here today, you've given your life to Christ, you are on a mission. You now work for Jesus Christ. You're on a mission. You're on a mission. Why? Why Why are we on the clock? Why are we adding another service? Because of this, lost people matter to God. It's our fifth core value here at Fuel Church. Lost people matter to God. Church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. All of our environments, what what happens here, especially on Sunday, Thursday's a little different. We go a little deeper in worship, a little deeper in the word. But Sundays are for the unchurched, not for the church. Yeah, you're going to get something out of it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But the environment we're creating, our hospitality, our welcome team, everything is designed for the unchurched because a lot of them have been burnt by church, been hurt by church, been kicked out of churches. Every single, there's not a week that goes by that someone doesn't tell me about their horror, their horror church story that they just had. Some of them months ago, some of them years ago, some of them as a kid, and they never, they, they've been 15, 20 years out of church, and this is the first time they came back, and they say there's something different about Fuel Church. I feel welcome here. I feel accepted here. I feel accepted here. We don't really care what your political party is. Come on now. We don't care what age you are. We don't care what race you are. Everyone is accepted by God because lost people matter to God. Lost people matter to God. And if lost people matter to God, lost people matter to us. And we're going to do everything in our power. If there is breath in our lungs to be about our Father's business, we're going to look around and we're going to see the harvest. And we're going to realize, yes, we have harvest problems. But if we all band together and we help bring in the harvest, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right, Fuel Church. We're going to beat the clock. We're going to beat the clock. We're on the clock right now, but we're going to beat the clock. My challenge to each and every one of us to call this place home, everyone listening on the podcast, will you help us with the harvest problems? 30% of the people in this church do all the giving and serving. 30%. What would happen if that went up to 35, 40, 50? Imagine what would happen. I'm meeting next week with a realtor about property. I'm looking at the second location here in a few weeks in Noblesville. What would happen if, if, if we all just said, I'll do, I'll do my part. I'll play my part in bringing in the harvest. I know we got problems. God brought me here. God saved me here. God set me free here. God healed my marriage here. God healed my body here. And I want to help heal someone else. I want to help bring someone else into the kingdom like they helped me. I'll be a part of solving the harvest problems. Count me in, pastor. Count me in. Count me in. I wonder who would say that today. Count me in. 
I'll be stretched a little more. Yep, I'll step up a little more. Count me in. I'll give a little more. I've been throwing a little tip, but I'm really going to give to help with the toilet paper I'm using. (laughs) Come on, somebody. If you can't laugh, I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready to be stretched. It is only in the moments of tension, in the moments that we are challenged, does God bring us into our destiny. God has a way. It's like that rubber band. It has to have tension. It has to be pulled back in order to shoot further. Sometimes God takes us back. It looks like we're going back, but really he says, I'm setting you up to go forward. Let me just pull a little more. Let me stretch you a little more. I know you thought that's all you could do, but there's more. Exceedingly, abundantly, above all, you can ask or think according to the power that works in you. There's more in you. There's more anointing in you to give out to somebody else. There's more gifts in you to give out to somebody else. Your life, your life's purpose is for somebody else. Stand with me today. Stand with me. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If, if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.